0: I do want to apologize to all of our home fellowship leaders who have diligently prepared and studied Job for tonight's home fellowships. Um, We—I've been asked by more than one person. So, Andy, are you this morning and last night? Are you going to continue in Job? Are you going to tackle Behemoth uh, and uh, Leviathan, part two? Um, You know what, in just assessing, I just thought Andy did a great job with beginning that. Uh, We'll just continue, we'll let him uh, finish that, Lord willing, in the near future. But today, I am eager to look at Colossians chapter 1. This is a passage that has been impactful uh, for me personally and obviously for all of us as we've studied uh, the book of Colossians in the past in our devotional life. One thing as we approach this passage, um, you know, my my desire this morning is for all of us to treasure Christ, to treasure him more. And so I think we've all noticed the more that we value something, that determines how much or how little we are going to put forth effort to care for that or to guard that. I mean, just think about your everyday details. I I can even think of... um, my relationship with my wife and some of the things that she values. For example, there are times that I will be given or texted a list occasionally. This doesn't happen often. Um, she's a much better shopper than I am. But occasionally, uh, I will be given a list, a grocery list or something. And then I'm going out. I'm thinking about other things. I get to—I remember that I need to go to the store— But unless she texts me, I find myself calling her and saying, no, wait a second, Lisa, what what, what was it that I'm supposed to get? Now, I just, and again, it's because my value for that um, at that time is not as important. Now, I will value it later when we enjoy a meal. But earlier, I don't value it as much as my wife does. I mean, you think about this. We have documents in our church body that I we absolutely love. Back to the 1800s, the way that I care for that piece of paper is much different than I care for any other piece of paper because I value that actually that that article. Speaking of my wife as well, I remember uh, going to the uh, jewelry, jewelry jewelry store. Years ago, and I've never had so much cash in my life at one place, and I remember putting it in the glove box. Now, again, I don't want to overspeak, it was an incredible amount of cash. Um, But it was quite a bit at that time. And I remember thinking, all right, I just want to drive safe. And then when I got to the store, we exchanged. I got the ring. And then even more, I just valued what was in that glove box. Um, And I protected it until I was able uh, to present that to my wife. This morning, as we look at this text, Paul is clear. He is valuing and treasuring Jesus. Jesus. And so, which all of us should, as we look at the text, I think our affections for Christ is certainly going to increase, and we're going to pray that, yes, our actions would increase and change because of who Jesus is. As we look at, um, you have your Bible open now, as you have heard Ron read, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. In these two verses alone, we're going to see three ways that our life, or Paul's life, has been affected because of his value for Christ and others. We're see his affections, how his affections have been, have been impacted, how his actions are impacted, as well as his abilities. And just look at verse 24. You heard it read, but I'm going to read it again. Now, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. So, notice verse 24, just his affections, because he values Christ and because he values others more important than himself, he has an approach to afflictions and sufferings that is just uncommon, it's unnatural. It's it's really supernatural. Look again. I rejoice in my sufferings. Now, n- there's not one of us who would choose again if it were just us to delight in suffering. If there if there wasn't an eternal value, if if Christ, as First Corinthians 15 teaches us, had if Christ is not did not uh, if he was not alive, then. This would be meaningless to suffer, to delight in suffering, just makes no sense. But because Paul values others, and ultimately because he treasures Christ, verse 24, I rejoice in my sufferings. And why? For your sake. Notice his actions. And in my flesh... I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And notice the phrase again, for the sake of his body, that is the church. So he loves, he's going, we're going to see, especially at the end of this passage, his how much he treasures Christ. The more he treasures Christ, he considers others better than himself, which will affect his affections and his actions. The fact that for the sake of the church, his, he's going to sacrifice and do certain things because uh, the the church it, it's benefiting the church. It's helping other other brothers and sisters in Christ to treasure Jesus more. So I'm just challenged by this as we as we consider this. And notice when we Christ is not lacking. I right, mean, notice what uh, the way Paul says in the in verse 24. I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. You know, the obvious question might be, well, wait a second. how How is Christ lacking in anything? I mean, does that, Paul, what are you talking about? It's like you're helping Christ out. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we can have that mentality like, oh, boy, Christ really needs me today. Like I am, I'm really something because I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to just help out. I'm going to prop up the gospel. It needs my help. Listen, let's be clear. Christ, we know this, but Christ does not need any one of us. But in his infinite wisdom, wisdom, he has chosen to use us. And so the question is, what does this mean? Really, we are the ones that are lacking. The lost is lacking. We don't treasure Christ enough. We don't fully understand the riches of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel. The lost certainly do not understand. They've never, some have never heard the gospel. So it's not as if Paul is is coming alongside Jesus and has the mentality that I'm going to help out what Christ did on the cross. Not at all. But in verse 24, Paul is essentially letting us know we need we need help we need more of Christ so Paul is going to fill that out it's going to help us understand the riches of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 6 says if we are afflicted it is for your comfort and salvation. So this is Paul as he's writing to the letter to the church at Corinth. He says, "If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer." Paul here is so is other centered because he is Christ focused. Paul is delighting to go through to suffer for the sake of others so that, that others can see him, see Paul, and note how one, how one who has faith in Christ is to endure. And we can understand that. When we see brothers and sisters go through any kind of trial or suffering, and when they suffer well, doesn't Christ just ignite our desires and affections for him more? It's like, oh, By God's grace, I want to endure. I want to love Christ like that sister or brother. But notice again, verse 25. Paul says, he's filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Let's pause right there. Paul has been given a stewardship. He is to treasure, to guard, to care, to love Christ, to to love the gospel. He's been given the ability to proclaim the gospel, to teach, to to preach. But I love that phrase. So, to me, for you. We've shared before, uh, as we've gone through different passages of Scripture over the years, It's just that God gives us spiritual gifts. He gives those to us. But they're not just so that we can be enamored with our own gifts and abilities and just sit at home on a, you know, just weekday and just ponder how great of a teacher or how great of a host or how great of a servant or how great of a steward we really are. It's our gifts, the gifts that God gives us that we are caring for and stewarding, it's not for us. In, in verse 25, that phrase, Paul reminds, he's sharing with the church, he's sharing with the church at Colossae, like they, he's stewarding the mystery of the gospel that has been given to him for you. And so just know, you, there's certain gifts that you have that's actually for me. And I, I look forward to delighting, and I am delighting in them. There are certain gifts that you have that are for the person sitting to your left or to your right. They are not for you. They're for the glory of God and for the edification of the church. Paul is sharing here in verse 25 that he has been given the gospel and he's stewarding it. I just imagine, the reason I gave the the example, the illustration of that diamond ring, in my mind's eye, not just in my mind's eye, I can remember, literally remember the car I was driving I remember the glove box, and I remember just the emotions that I had, or the, um, not emotions, maybe the, the concern for detail that I had as I, put, as I placed Elisa's ring in that glove box. I just remember. I just felt responsibility. I was, I was motivated to protect that. I wanted to bring joy to, to at that time, my girlfriend, soon-to-be fiance. I wanted to, to, for her to enjoy that. I was protecting it. Paul, by the grace of God, is stewarding the gospel so that the church in Colossae and by God's grace for us today can benefit from that gift that God has given him. Just like the ring was not for myself, our gifts are not for you alone. Now, look at verse 26, or the last part of 25. What is it? It's to make the word of God fully Known, that's it. His desire, his task is to make God's word fully known. So, what he means to to help or to supplement or um, to come alongside and to fill what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, it's to make the gospel more known. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we, that's, what, that's our joy. That's our responsibility. That is our privilege is to go and continue to make the gospel known. The elders are eager and are so thankful for that responsibility that we have when it comes to the life of this church. It's our desire is not to serve so that we look better, but that Christ looks better and that you know Christ more. But it's not just for the elders. This is, you know, the, this is similar to the Great Commission. We have been given the gospel for the purpose of just making, other, making God's word known to others. And so, look at verse 26. Scripture says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but has now been revealed to the saints. This is a, this is a mystery. Well, Paul, this, the, the gospel... And the impact of the gospel is an is incredible mystery. It was, it was, you know, think of this. The Old Testament, a lot of times, is promises made. And the New Testament's promises kept. Some of the certain aspects of the glory of Christ, it was, it was concealed. But now, Paul is saying it's revealed through faith in Jesus Christ. It is you will, We will have the joy of knowing Christ personally. And so this mystery was hidden for ages and generations, but now has been revealed. Well, the question is what, again, can we just, what is that mystery? Look at verse 27. Verse 27 To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory. So what is this great mystery? What is the power of the gospel? What is what is it that Paul is by God's grace and because he's been stewarding this what is he making known? Just begin with just the fullness of God, the fact that God the Father chose us. Again, look at verse 27. To them these, to them, meaning the saints, to those men and women who through faith in Jesus Christ now are, are, have been redeemed, have been adopted, saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory of this mystery. mystery. So when God the Father chose you, notice God the Son suffered for you. God the Son dwells in you. And lastly, which we'll touch at the end, verse 29, God the Spirit works through you. This It's the fullness of God in salvation. And we have been impacted by that. Again, verse 27, we have those first, if I would sum it up this way, it would be God chose you, Christ in you, and the Spirit through you. So the fullness of gods we have so much to be thankful for. It's just to thank God that, Lord, by your mercy and your grace from the foundation of the world, you have chosen to open my eyes so that I may know Christ. And the truth that Christ is in us is radical. Christ is ever-present. Through faith in Jesus Christ, this is the treasure that Paul is delighting over and stewarding and has a responsibility to unfold to the church. And we have the benefit, by the grace of God, to to be impacted by this statement today. Christ in you. I used to, I remember when I was growing up, I had a uh, just a faithful pastor, faithful gentleman who walked through verses every Sunday. And I just remember he occasionally he'd say, you know, if you, if you have your pen, just underline this phrase. Well, I, I, I personally have just dwelt on that truth. Christ in you and it's a gift. And that is the hope of glory. We've talked about hope before. I believe Andy may have even mentioned it a couple weeks ago. But this inward demeanor Based on the promises of God that the future is bright. Paul says the hope of glory, it's the hope that Christ is in us. Christ in you. That, is, that changes that truth, that promise. That through faith in Jesus Christ, we are covered in the blood of Christ. That Christ is in us. That, that promise gives us hope. We know for certain that the future is bright because Christ dwells in us. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's Romans chapter 8 verse 11. This, this, the spirit of him, the same, the God who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to us. Friends, that is, glory. That is a glorious truth. And that is, we can, because of that truth, we can know the future is bright. Yes, we go through temporary sufferings. And yes, those temporary sufferings may last years. But, friends, Peter reminds us that that, those sufferings are limited. There will be a day where we see Christ face to face. And we know that because of this promise, the hope of glory. And that is Christ in us. Well, verse 28 and 29, personally, these verses have have really radically uh, changed my life, have given uh, me uh, purpose, mission. They've given us all purpose. Matter of fact, I remember years ago um, when... When, I was, when Lisa and I were considering First Baptist Church, when I went into a, a, to talk with Andy um, about coming on staff, we were talking, he asked me the question, he said, Andy, what is, what is your, what's your vision? What's your purpose for, at that time it was youth ministry, what, what is your purpose for youth ministry? And I remember the Lord reminded me of these two verses. And I remember just looking at him and said, we, I want to proclaim Jesus. We proclaim him. And Look at verse 28. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That is, that's our desire. That's our purpose. That's why we are here. That's why as a body of Christ we are here together is that we want to proclaim Jesus. And I want us just to look at four uh, truths that we can, ju- applications that we can Gained from verse 28. There's four key actions. Number one, exalt Jesus. Number two, exhort those in danger. Three, encourage those doing well. And number four, equip towards maturity. So exalt, exhort, encourage, and equip. That is, that's what Paul desires for the church at Colossae. And I think for us today, that, that's, what, that's why we gather. That's why we're here. Ultimately, number one, as Paul said so clearly, verse 28, him we proclaim. Another version I've, I've memorized is we proclaim him. We proclaim Jesus. So let me ask you a question as we think about that we proclaim Jesus. What do people know about you? What do they hear? What do they hear about? Do they would they be able to share a lot more details after spending time with you? Let's say they spend time with five, with you five, ten, fifteen minutes. Are they going to tell you more about yourself or? Are they, are they going to know something about Jesus in that conversation? Paul is focused on we proclaim Jesus. It's, my, my desire for us is, in, is that all of us, and I've said this, we've shared this before, but when people met Peter and John, they recognized them as having been with Jesus. Our prayer is that when people meet us at First Baptist Church out in the world, from Sunday saying that they know more about Jesus. Or they, they know something about Jesus. And so Paul says, we proclaim him. But notice, I want to just focus on, this is this is a fantastic verse when we think of New Member Sunday. And it's not why I thought about Colossians 1. So I, I didn't think, oh, we have New Member Sunday this morning. What passage would go with that? But it actually works. It's so helpful. Look, look at verse uh, Twenty-eight. We proclaim him, warning everyone and teaching everyone. So we are going to exhort and we're going to encourage. We're um, that's our responsibility. First, let's think. Of, uh, let's just talk about the admonishment or the exhort, exhortation, warning everyone with all w- wisdom. A little bit later in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, the Scripture says, Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within us, teaching every, teaching every man, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So let the Word of Christ richly dwell within us, Teaching and admonishing, so the more that christ 's word dwells in us, the more equipped that you and I are going to be to be faithful to verse twenty eight the more equipped we're going to be to exhort and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ, and so we have the responsibility to exhort now one thing we don't necessarily so the word again for exhort is um it's like Nuthateo, it's this. Admo- it's a strong admonishment. All right, so we don't necessarily want to be the church uh, of just the rebuking church. That's not all we want to be known for. Matter of fact, there have been times then that uh, we'll have time with um, uh, different individuals and they'll share, that's going in ministry and they'll share, oh, I just, you know, I just want to, I just want to rebuke. I feel like this brother or sister needs to rebuke and, and and that might be the case, but when we hear that same verb from the same person over time, then we start to think well there there are more tools that God has given us in our um, biblical arsenal to be able to share and care and shepherd for each other, and so uh, there are other a- uh actions and this and Paul is pointing out just a few of them by just. Exhorting and encouraging, but we do need someone in our life to do the hard work of exhortation. Let me ask a question before we think, okay, yes, yeah, and, and it is true as a church, we need to be admonishing each other. That's an aspect of that. But we often think, oh, well, now let me think about those that we might need to exhort. Here's my question ask yourself and i'm asking myself who have we invited into our life such that they not only will speak and encourage us in the scripture but they will also correct us and if as needed admonish us we often think okay i need to do this for others i've also, i've found though when we invite others to do that for us it is it is even more helpful in our personal walk. Is that we need. Others to be speaking into our lives. And friends that is hard to do. And so help us. Help your friends. Help that closest circle. That God has given you in the church. Help us to do that better. And one way is just to say. Hey friend. do you When you see something. Please speak into my life. Because I need to be corrected. I need to be encouraged. Alright. So. Exhort, but also encourage. Paul says, again, 28, proclaim him, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom. We need wisdom. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Again, there are different biblical tools that God has given us. For the time. We just need wisdom. We need wisdom to know what what needs to be said now. And Galatians helps us with reminding us, just like we take a speck out of our own eye, and we don't usually take a speck out of someone else's eye, but the way you care for yourself on taking something out of your eye is the exact, is a beautiful picture of how we are should go about and correct or rebuke or exhort someone else. Just be wise and be gentle. so last let's look at the last part of verse twenty eight with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. that is the, that's, it's the great commission we've earlier this summer this year had the joy of of talking uh, preaching through a, a, a passage where we said, "Come and see." And go and tell. And the importance that we have is to be uh, faithful disciplers, but to also teach to obey. As a church body, we have the responsibility and the joy to not just teach. It's not just one encounter. Paul's desire was that the church in Colossae would grow in maturity. That, by definition, by the idea of growing, maturing, that takes time. Oftentimes, people have asked Andy Davis, what's the secret of Scripture memory? Well, and his response is, it's, no, it's not really a secret. It's just hard work. It's repetition over time. So that means not only this week, but we need to be, as a church body, really committed by God's grace to care for each other enough, not just once, but a lifestyle of gently cor- uh, correcting, gently teaching, gently walking with each other so that we may Grow in maturity to Christ. Paul says, For what is our hope or joy or crown before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory. Paul delighted in the Thessalonians. He delights in the, Coloss- the believers in Colossae to invest God's word so that they could mature. And last, and we'll close with this verse 29. <laughs> Lest we think we can do this on our own strength, God in his infinite wisdom reminds us of verse 29. Or the flip side is lest we think that we cannot do this. Again, God's given us verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Christ has equipped us. He, he's, we've already learned from this text that he, he's, he, he, he lives in us. Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. And so Paul is saying, I. this is my purpose. This is my mission. This is what I'm here for. And I do this by the strength that Christ, God powerfully works within me. So the power of the Holy Spirit, God, is how we can honor him it's the power of the Holy Spirit, God, in, God the Spirit will encourage us and help us to proclaim Jesus, to exhort brothers and sisters, to encourage brothers and sisters, and to bring them on to maturity. It's a humbling verse. It's, it's, a, it's a self-leveling truth that, okay, lest we think too great or too little of us, God reminds us that it is all his glory and his power that we do this. And so to, this morning, I just want us all just to consider, the, the tr- just to treasure Christ more. To realize that as, as Paul outlined here in verses 24 this whole passage, that the mystery is that Christ is in us that through faith in Jesus Christ, through because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we have access to God. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have these riches and privileges that are only, only for children of God. And so today, let's pray that, or this week that God will remind us that he will never leave us nor forsake us, but he will not only continue to give us the joy of treasuring him, but also equip equip us to be faithful, to proclaim his treasure, Jesus Christ, to others. Let's pray. Father, we, again, we just, we want to exalt your name. Father, we confess, or I confess, certainly, that I don't treasure you enough. Lord, too often I think too little of you. And so, Lord, I just confess for that. I I confess that. Lord, as a church body, my prayer is that we would think more of you that we would think less of ourselves, that we would consider other people better than ourselves. And the best thing that we can give to others is the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is to proclaim your riches and the mystery that has been graciously revealed to us. Lord, we ask that you would just equip us to share the gospel with others. Remind us to speak truth, into each other's lives. Remind us that we need to invite others to speak truth to us, both to encourage us in your word, but also, Lord, to point things out that's inconsistent with the word of God that others see in our lives. Just pray that you would humble us to want that for us and empower us to share and be that for other people. Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for today, the joy of looking forward to Wednesday when we can receive more people into our body. But Lord, it's a sobering reminder that we do have a responsibility with, with, with each other. So we ask that you would just equip us and may we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.